everybody, welcome back into the KZRG Sports Podcast. I'm Nathan Massey. We're going to jump into another update on the College World Series as it continues. Quick recap, Notre Dame loses season over. Texas A&M beats them 5-1. to one. Auburn, again, also season over. Eliminated by Arkansas, 11-1. to one. These were both big games. Had an SEC on SEC matchup in the second one. Had a SEC versus whatever conference Notre Dame wants to claim they're in. That's a story for another day. I absolutely hate that. But Notre Dame takes them down 5-1. to one. They got a great, great appearance from their starter, Detmer. Seven innings, three hits, no runs. They took the lead early. Kind of never really looked back. Notre Dame got on the board late. Uh, they put up one run. Didn't really affect anything. Obviously not the outcome, but... I guess kind of a feel-good run for the team. Um, so the bigger game for this area and for fans that are listening to this, the Arkansas-Auburn game, Arkansas just came out and, I mean, essentially dominated from beginning to end, but it was actually pretty close for most of the game, or for at least the first kind of half of the game, I guess you could say. I believe it was until the fifth, until Arkansas really kind of broke it open. But they just, I mean, it it was never Auburn's game. It was Arkansas's game. It was very clear. Will McIntyre came out and kind of established that early and often. He also went seven innings, three hits, one run. The one run was, again, similar to the Notre Dame run. Late in the game, it was a solo shot. Then it was, it was too little too late. It wasn't really, unless if they had put something together after that, then we could talk a little bit more about it. But they didn't. McIntyre had nine strikeouts. I mean, he just shut down the Ole Miss offense, and Ole Miss has been good. Ole Miss has been dominating. He's been playing really well, great baseball, won a tough regional, won a tough super, came into the final or into the into the World Series as hot as anybody else in the field, and their season's over with. Um, Arkansas came in very similar, high-scoring regional. We talked about that. Great teams took out Oklahoma State, came in. Defeated North Carolina on North Carolina's home field. They also came in as one of the hotter teams, especially offensively. Arkansas has had to kind of piece together pitching here and there throughout the duration of the season. It appears that some of their arms have come around at the right time late in the season, which, in my opinion, I would rather have my pitchers really deal towards the end of the year as opposed to at the start of the year. And we can all know why. Championships aren't won game one, right? You can establish things. You can set yourself up seating-wise. Every game is important, but if you told me that my t- that my pitcher my pitching staff are going to come around during the World Series and during the postseason run, as opposed to the regular season where they may struggle a little bit, I'm taking that ten out of ten times. Offensively, Peyton Stovall led the way. I mean, this guy has just been on fire. I believe he's batting over 500 in the College World Series alone. He went five for six yesterday. Going five for six in baseball is hard. Okay, I don't know how many people. Listening to this, played baseball, have ever played baseball. If they did, what level they made it up to. But playing baseball is hard. Hitting is hard. Hitting is probably the hardest thing in sports. I have a little bit of experience in a lot of different sports playing them all. The hardest thing out there is hitting a baseball. And you could probably ask anybody from a lot of different sports what the hardest thing in sports is. And if they even slightly understand it, like hitting that is, they will most likely agree that baseball or that hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things to do in sports. And this guy's going five to six, five, four, six, sorry, against one of the top teams in the nation at the end of the year. 
and elite competition. And I mean, this guy's just going off. And I mean, the whole Arkansas offense. I mean, they got shut down the other night. But overall, this team has just really put it together. Now, we'll get into this here in a minute, but kind of mention it. Now they're going to have to take on Ole Miss and beat them twice. Um, the beauty of this tournament is if you win, you get rewarded. That's very clear. That's how it should be. I mean, it's essentially how sports and, and life really works in general. But having to take down Ole Miss twice, Ole Miss I don't even think has lost a game in the postseason. I think that they won straight through the region. I think they swept their super and they're obviously the one team on their side of the bracket, one of two teams overall. They're 2-0 and in, in Omaha. So Arkansas is going to have to take them down twice. We'll also say A&M is going to have to take down Oklahoma twice. Both of these teams, by the way, A&M takes on Oklahoma today. The, by the way, at the recording, this is Wednesday the 22nd, has to take them on at 1 o'clock Eastern, or 2 o'clock Eastern, I believe, 1 o'clock Central. And Arkansas has to take on Ole Miss tonight. Um, so we, I mean, I think these are great matchups. I mean, obviously these are the final, we're in the final four. I mean, if you think about it in the terms of March Madness, this is the final four. Final four, it's hard to get here. No matter if you're good, no matter if you've been one of the best teams all season, no matter if you are kind of a Cinderella run. So let me just start this off by saying hats off to these four teams. Good job to all these teams. I'll make some predictions here. I think Arkansas, at minimum, is going to force the second game against Ole Miss. I think we'll come down to a winner-takes-all. If the Arkansas starter can get a good quality start, if Arkansas can get a quality start out of their starter, if you look at their games, you look at the results throughout the postseason run, when their starter gives them a quality start, they are almost a lock to win. And I know that's kind of easy to say. You'd say, oh, yeah, well, obviously – Bullpens, especially in college, can blow things all the time. They can they can blow leads that you would never believe. Look at the Stillwater Regional. I've referred to that one a lot, but look at that one. Missouri State was up twelve or thirteen runs, end up losing by thirteen or sixteen runs. They lost. They were up twelve nothing, lost by or lost twenty nine to twelve or twenty nine fifteen something like that. But if Arkansas can get a good start out of their starter, I think they can at minimum fate force the game to A&M and Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is going to take this one as much as I would love as an SEC fan overall to see an all SEC final, just to kind of rub in all the other conferences faces. I would love to see it, but I think Oklahoma is going to take that one. They've just been playing great ball. A&M is a great ball club. They're a great team. They've had a good year. I think Oklahoma is going to take that one. I think Arkansas forces game two, and then we can talk about game two if we get there. But we're going to move into some other news. It's kind of some nationwide news here. Rob Gronkowski retires. Um, that's a that's a tough one for the sport. Gronk, he's retired before, so we're not 100% sure if this one will be long-term retirement, like forever type retirement, or if he's going to turn into Brett Favre where he retires every couple of years and then comes back. But Gronk... And by the way, the last time, I don't know if y'all know this story, the last time Gronk retired, he retired to avoid being traded to the Lions. That's how bad the Lions have been over the past five to ten years. A player literally said, it is better to not play the game of football than to play for the Lions. And I know he would have been coming from the Patriots, a very winning tradition. Quarterback Tom Brady, at that point in time, his quarterback still would have been Matthew Stafford, so I would have taken him as my quarterback. But as far as the the franchise, 
I don't blame Gronk for that. But if you know anything about Gronk, that's very on par for Gronk. He, as much as great as he's been on the field, him and just enjoying life and off the field, on the field as well, guy just has fun. He's fun to watch. He just overall enjoys life. Like if you want to look at somebody who enjoys life, if you need some some kind of uh, a visual of of what this guy of what enjoying life looks like, go watch Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski, just enjoy his life. But I want to touch a little bit on this. Do we think Gronk is the greatest tight end of all time? And I know I was looking through the stats yesterday, I was trying to kind of build an argument. There, yes, there are tight ends with more games played. There are tight ends with more catches. There are more tight end, or there are tight ends with more yardage, more touchdowns. But if you look at the pace that Rob Gronkowski is on, if he was to his play as many games as some of these other guys, he would blow them out of the water. Tony Gonzalez is up there. He would blow out Tony Gonzalez. I think he's probably – Tony Gonzalez, there's a few others here and there. I know guys like Shannon Sharp kind of changed the game, some other names here and there. But he would pass Tony Gonzalez in every statistical category if he had played as many games. If they had the same amount of games – Catches, Gronk would dominate. Yards, he would dominate. Touchdowns, he would dominate. Yards per game, yards per catch, the everything. So I, he may not statistically outrank everyone else, unless if you're probably looking at a per per game or per season basis. But, I mean, the dude, I mean, l- let me just list these off real quick. Four-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro, was named to the 2010s All-Decade team, and the NFL 100th anniversary team. I mean, how do you how do you argue against that? I mean, he has come in and he has changed the the way that tight ends are looked at in a way. You look at like the Travis Kelseys, you look at the Darren Wallers, you look at the George Kittles. Gronk kind of started the prototype for those types of tight ends where Gronkowski is a great blocker, but he also comes in there and he is the receiving threat. Teams game planned around Rob Gronkowski for years. They've done it for years. Obviously recently due to injuries and just kind of age and just different systems, he's not as game planned for as much. But even in the twilight of his career these last few years when he's been in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, they've they in the red zone you still have to account for him. Like he may not go out there and give you 70, 80, 100 yards every game like he used to, but in the red zone you don't want to see Rob Gronkowski. I mean the dude's a freak of nature. And that's what they've had to deal with for years and years and years. So if I had to vote on who I would say is the is the best tight end of all time, the most talented especially, I would have to go Rob Gronkowski. What he brings to you on the field as far as blocking, pass catching, run after the catch, just the ability to catch, not just get open, but just out jump people, the spectacular catch factor. Rob Gronkowski is the best of all time, in my opinion. And we're also going to talk a little bit of other NFL news. This was kind of a funny story that I saw recently. So I know a lot of people with, uh, not to get political here or anything, but the market's not in the greatest state at the moment. But something that I thought was kind of ironic is something that's been a trend these last few years is NFL players getting their signing bonuses based on like cryptocurrency or some other. You've seen lots of weird contracts over the year. Like one that I always refer to would be Manny Ramirez, one of his contract clauses was unlimited sushi and that there's just weird things that not everybody hears about in some of these people's contracts but what Trevor Lawrence did was he wanted his 24 million dollars in guaranteed money I believe fully in cryptocurrency 
pretty much Bitcoin, maybe some others here and there. So he had a $24 million guaranteed on his contract that he got in cryptocurrency. He is now down to $8.96 million. Now, don't get me wrong. Nearly $9 million is absolutely nothing to sniff at. But imagine losing two-thirds, pretty much, of your signing bonus because it was invested in crypto. And that might be the poster child for stopping people from like NFL players or MLB players or NBA players getting these these cryptocurrency type revenues or signing bonuses or guaranteed money. Just take your cash, invest it how you want it, and that's fine. And I guess in the in the long run, if, if he had taken it cash and invested it, we'd have the same outcome. But just maybe you get it in cash and then you go to your financial advisor because those guys all have one or they should at least. And then maybe invest half of it. So at least you've got the $12 million guaranteed and maybe put it in an investment fund or something like that. But don't just throw it all because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't. Nobody does. That's why people win and lose money off of it all the time. But to put your entire $24 million guaranteed, like all of your guaranteed money into cryptocurrency, bold, bold, bold move by Trevor Lawrence. I think he's probably... I saw a list the other day of people that have had similar type deals with their contracts. He has by far, by far lost the most money. Percentage-wise, I don't think his has been down that much, but most of the other people's on, like people that were on the list, they were maybe losing a couple grand, couple, 20, 30 grand maybe. I think even one was up to 300,000, somewhere in that range. Again, nothing you don't want, like you don't want to lose that anyways. But you can't lose $16 million in it and expect it to just work itself out. So hopefully for Trevor Lawrence, he has a good long career, makes all that money back. But I think he'll always kind of look back and be like, maybe that wasn't my best decision. But speaking of big money, let's get a little bit more into this PGA and LIV tour, live tour, however you want to say it. Another player has left. Another player has left the PGA tour and it's moved over. Brooks Kepka has left the PGA to come over to the LIV tour. And the PGA is starting to take notice. Eight of their top 50 in the world has moved over to this LIV new series. So the PGA, without saying it, but kind of saying it, has decided to kind of copy the LIV style. And it's obviously due to these players leaving. I mean, they were trying to ignore them. They were they were kind of shutting them down, whatever, trying to just push them by the wayside. No big deal. But when eight of your players, eight of the top 50 players in the world leave your series to go to another series, you're going to start opening your eyes before you like it all just goes downhill on you really fast. So, of course, they came out and there's been talks. There's no guarantees yet. Nothing's set in stone. But they have they have kind of mentioned eight limited field tournaments. Supposedly, what I've been seeing, what I've been hearing is the top 50 in the world or like in their in the series um, in the PGA rankings will be invited to these tournaments. They will also be no cut, so these these tournaments will be played through and through. If you're invited and you show up and you're there and you're playing, you're there until it finishes. You could see some major comebacks. You don't know these again. These are top fifty in the PGA Tour. People, if they have a bad day or whatever, and somebody else has a good round, they may jump up the leaderboard. There will be twenty million dollar purses for these. Obviously, that gets divided up throughout the rankings and throughout the finishers. But and also while these are going on. If you're outside of the top 50, if you're not invited to these tournaments, the other players, the remaining players in the PGA Tour, will compete in 
other series, other tournaments, other events, venues, and they will do this to maybe better their ranking. So I guess if you're kind of in that 50 to 70 range and you kind of dominate these, like I guess a little bit lower level tournaments, you may get bumped up to the maybe that top 50. And if you're somebody who's in the top 50 and you just come in last every time, you may just switch spots with the other guys. And also, I guess if you're really, really low, they're also talking about maybe this is how you guarantee to keep your PGA card. So if you go out there and you're competing and you're showing that you belong there, you'll keep your card. But if not, you could, I guess, get cut from the series is what it's looking like. But obviously, no cut. So eight limited field events, no cuts of these events, $20 million plus dollar purses. This isn't nearly identical to the LIV tournaments, the, the series that they're coming out with. So they may not come out and say that, that they're copying them, but it is very, very evident that they are copying them. And, I mean, I just, they're kind of blowing this. The fact that it took the PGA until getting threatened by a series through the Saudi Arabia financial fund is what it took for them to kind of take in fan appreciation and player and player comments and their opinions. That's sad on the PGA. PGA, you got to be better with that. But... For them to do that, that's just they've got to improve on that. They've got to they got to make adjustments quicker. It shouldn't take a new series coming up and eight of their top fifty in the world leaving their their series for another series for them to be able to kind of look up and say, hey, maybe we need to adjust. Yes, it's worked for a long time, but maybe just maybe we could relook at things and figure some things out to make these a little bit more fan friendly or a little bit more player friendly and just take it from there. But I, the NHL, it continues tonight. I'm not going to make a prediction on that. And here is why. This, I, I, I've kind of been thinking about this over the last couple of days. Am I a jinx? If you've been listening to the, my last few pods and you've heard any of my predictions, I know yesterday I talked about not being a betting man and to, for people to not take my picks. But honestly, at this rate, take my picks and flip them and you're winning a lot of money. The only game that I have predicted that I can recall that I've gotten correct was Arkansas winning last night. So congrats, Arkansas. I guess you broke my curse. But if we're on track right now, I am 1-4 in in games that I've picked. So do not listen. Fade me. If you're a betting person, you know what that means. Fade me. Do not trail me, okay? Since I started making predictions or since I've talked about teams on this podcast, the Mets had lost the night after I talked about them. The Yankees lost the night after I talked about them. Arkansas lost the night after I talked about them. Notre Dame and the Avalanche, who were up 2-0 in their series, all lost. All of these teams lost. So I've kind of been thinking about this. I might start taking, start tracking my picks that I've predicted, which obviously I have two more today, where I said that Oklahoma would beat uh, A&M and Arkansas would beat Ole Miss in the College World Series. And I'm going to start seeing... How how bad this can get, and see if I'm truly truly a jinx. So I guess we'll just all have to track this together, and people keep me accountable. If there's one I missed somewhere in there, let me know. But I might be a jinx, and maybe it's a good thing I'm not a betting man because I'd be down a lot of money at this point if I was putting big money on anything. But so if you're out there, just do not. I mean, fade me. Just fade me as you listen to these. Any prediction I make. Go with the opposite as of right now because that's the way it's trending. But hopefully we'll have a better night tonight. 
hopefully Oklahoma will pull it off. Hopefully, hopefully Arkansas will force the game two against Ole Miss. I believe that would be tomorrow if they were to win tonight. So hopefully we'll have a good night tonight. I'm going to try my best not to jinx anybody's favorite teams from here on out. So we'll see how that goes, and we'll keep track of this and, and see how bad it gets before it turns back good. But that's about all I've got. This is the KZRG Sports Podcast. I'll see you all later.